All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that they were interested in and that they either visited our website techgumbo.net or they sent us a text at 225-255-0431 and this week's question that was sent in is What's the difference between antivirus and anti-malware? This is a great question. These two terms sometimes get thrown around interchangeably, but there is some difference. There's a difference between a virus and malware. And so let's start there. Virus is more of an older word, basically. It's the term that was very prominent in the 90s and the early 2000s. That was what we used to describe the types of problems that we were seeing from computers because that that was that that was a an excellent descriptor but since then the bad guys have gotten more clever and more creative so we needed a broader term because a virus was just some software that attached itself onto other software and tried to replicate and create a little bit of havoc just mess things up is what it really tried to do Malware encompasses such bigger things like ransomware and phishing where they're trying to get data, they're they're trying to get money, they're trying to get things from you, not just screw up your computer. Right. Malware is short for malicious software, and it's basically anything bad that someone else tries to do to another computer falls under umbrella. And so virus is the much more specific version of that. And, you know, viruses go back. We we did a story some time back about the, the very first computer virus, which was released by a bunch of people who'd gone to a medical conference in the late 80s. And this guy created a whole bunch of disks and gave everybody these disks. And they went home and there was a virus inside, inside each one of these disks. And when they stuck the disk in their computer, boom, now they had they were infected with a virus. And because it was a software that was scrambling things on these these people's computers. Well, that that was quite a concern and quite a cause for about 20 years because it was just fighting that one piece of software that tried to bury itself inside your your computer. Yeah. So the, the reason why we've moved to the term malware is it also encompasses more types of behavior. For example, a phishing scam is a type of malware. So phishing is whenever 
someone pretends to be an institution or something like that, you click on the link and you go to what looks like your bank website or your company website and you put in your username and password or credit card numbers or things like that into what looks to be like a reputable site, but it's not. And all of a sudden you've now given the bad guys all of your sensitive information. That's not really a virus. And so that's why we use the term malware. And that's why we use the term anti-malware because the new softwares are better about detecting these sorts of things and stopping them before you use it interact with them. And, and another classic example is, is ransomware, where it encrypts everything on your computer or everything across your computer network. And until you pay up in usually cryptocurrency of some sort, you're not going to get the unlock codes to free up the data that's sitting on that's now encrypted on your computer or, or on your server or everything across your network. And so antivirus and anti-malware, while it's similar, anti-malware is just much more encompassing. Right. Look for antivirus, anti-malware softwares on your Windows, on your Mac, on your phone. Get them, use them, make sure you, you know what they are, make sure you know how they work. Check up on them every once in a while. They're very important because all of the attacks just get more and more sophisticated every day and leave it into the hands of that software to be that shield for you so you're not having to worry about those things. Because the bad guys want your information just as much as your money. Absolutely. So thank you very much for that question. That was a, a fascinating look into what is on the minds of our listeners. We will be happy to send you our beautiful Tech Gumbo mug. It'll be coming out in the mail this week. And if you would like a Tech Gumbo mug for free, a big 20-ounce mug, great-looking mugs, go to our website, techgumbo.net. Go to the page, question of the week. Type in your question there, or you can shoot us a text, 225-255-0431, and we will send you a, a mug if you send us a question. And no, we don't keep your information. We don't sell your information. We don't do anything with your information. Once you send us a question, we're done with you. We don't want to exploit you in, or any of those kinds of things. We just want to know what you're interested in. Yeah, we're not big enough to sell advertising to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So that was an interesting question. We thought we'd do a little bit more looking around. And it turns out that question was also very relevant because the U.S. has said in the cyber war with Russia, it preemptively removed a large amount of malware worldwide. That's right. The GRU, which is the intelligence arm of the Russian military, had created a large network of botnets and they were going to release flurry of activity in the U.S., including the FBI and several other three-letter acronym entities, said, we're not going to wait around and see what this does. Let's just shut this down. It looks bad. Yeah, it's much better to be proactive than reactive on these sorts of things. And so this is really cool. This is, you know, we've been talking for a while that the next generation of wars will be cyber wars. They And so the fact that... Our entire intelligence apparatus, you know, the FBI combined with 
all the cyber defense agencies working together were able to see this coming and were able to pull the plug on it because we know what the Russians are capable of when given time. The solar winds attack, which we talked about for months because of how devastating it was, we don't want a solar winds too. And so this is this is fantastic news and it's really interesting. When you can get in front of some kind of, and, and they they suspect it was some type of a wiper malware, which was designed to just cripple an entire European entity. And it wasn't just going to hit the Ukraine. It was going to go after the EU because Ukraine has been hinting at being a part of the EU. They've been hinting at trying to become a part of NATO. And Russia wants no part of that. And so they were doing whatever they can to try and shut it down and and chalk one up for the good guys. They went out there and, and shut down some malware. Yeah, so they probably were using something a little bit stronger than off-the-shelf anti-malware software, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm just this was not malware bytes that that did it. Uh, as good as malware bytes is, they were probably a little more sophisticated. Moving into the main topic for the segment, though, we want to talk about artificial intelligence. That's right. Mark Cuban, the famed member of Shark Tank and multi-billionaire for a lot of other things that he's done in his lifetime, he was recently interviewed by the Harvard Business Review at their conference, and he basically said, do not be afraid of artificial intelligence. And in fact, if you going to succeed in business, you better start adopting it. Yeah, I think artificial intelligence as a concept is something that can seem mysterious. It can seem like a black box. It can seem futuristic, but it's really just a, a lot of really good things that we already understand very well. It's tasks and processes and algorithms, which whenever you are able to look at it in particular and see it, you're like, oh, well, I understand how it made that decision. That makes a lot of sense. And we just draw a circle around a large group of these things and call it collectively AI. There's a lot of much more specific, tangible things that it actually can make a difference inside of businesses that do kind of pull it from that realm of futuristic into, oh, this makes sense for me here in 2022. And we, in a lot of different businesses, are actively using AI a lot of people may not even realize they're using AI, but in fact, we are. Oh, you are 100% interacting with artificial intelligence every day. The question is just whether or not you realize it. One place that we see a lot is personalization. Anytime you use a internet platform and it shows you a personalized ad, personalized content, personalized things to buy from Amazon, personalized music to listen to from Spotify, personalized show recommendations on Netflix or any other streaming platform. That's all artificial intelligence. Another one is process automation. So robotics in, in different types of businesses, not just businesses manufacturing cars, you know, not, not big humongous plants. You can have automa automation and robotics inside of your much smaller in businesses just to take care of the mundane rote activities. It also doesn't have to be a physical object. Uh, I'm working with a company right now and we are helping them automate their data. That 
they have uh, data that comes in in kind of an ugly format and we have some processes to clean the data one and then transform it analyze it and then turn it into useful outputs so that what used to take people they have to go and they have to print it out and compare yesterday versus today manually and highlight the differences and that would take them half an hour to an hour every day now all of a sudden because of the software that we've written in place that is artificial intelligence boom it just spits out here it is here are the changes from yesterday to today and that type of automation is artificial intelligence and then when you look at things in customer service you know so you go to somebody's website not just the amazons but just any website and if you use a browser and it automatically populates your name and your address and where you want things shipped to and your email address that's all artificial intelligence that's populating fields of information for you that you didn't know you had to type all that in before now it just does it for you yeah or customer service whenever you're talking to a chatbot and the you know you say oh you know i'm having this problem and then it makes some noise so it looks like it's thinking and it comes back and gives you something and then you navigate that tree ahead of time and then eventually you get to the computer because the you get to the human because the chatbot's still not very good that's artificial intelligence as well and yes a lot of times it is a chatbot it may act like it's a human it may tell you it's got somebody's human's name but it's chatbot you're chatting with as of right now it's still pretty obvious that what you're dealing with is not a real person but we're not that far away from it getting very good there are new tools out there one of them is called gpt3 it's the um that's 30 seconds go one of them is called gpt3 and it is the most advanced artificial intelligence that we have today to deal with language and it has sat there and it has read millions and millions of books and it understands context and you can ask it questions and so you can ask it complicated questions like you shakespeare what did you think about shrek the movie and it will give you an answer from the perspective of Shakespeare about the movie Shrek, because it understands who Shakespeare is, what Shrek is, and the nuances of that conversation. Whenever we can start putting that to work, all of a sudden that's better than a human. And so we'll need a lot of different rules in place for how do we deal with these things? How do we have the human know that they're talking to this advanced artificial intelligence? Another thing, and we've we've talked about this on this show before, AI is going to change the way a lot of people work. It's going to replace a lot of jobs the same way that the tractor replaced the the, the mule and a plow, the same way that, you know, the, the factory, the assembly line replaced a whole lot of manufacturing jobs. People are going to have to be retrained, whether it's lawyers, CPAs, you know, a lot of white collar jobs are going to be affected by artificial intelligence. Absolutely. That's, you know, you'll see it in so many different sectors and it, it won't be all at once. That's the thing is it, it will be a transition over time and then you'll see different companies do it better and that eventually it becomes standard across the practice. But you as an individual, you know, if you are a lawyer, you'll have your typical lawyer tasks, but you'll just also have to have 
some AI skill. You have to interact with this in some way, or it might replace you entirely if it's not augmenting you. So AI does have some benefits. One of them is it reduces your operational time. It can do a whole lot of the thinking for you, finding information for you, and even process that data for you, much like you've been doing. Yeah, if you can set up the rules ahead of time, then you can feed in very large amounts of data and actually crank through it and process through it and produce nice, meaningful information on the other side. And that's whenever this is really valuable because what used to be meaningless chaos that was just too big to digest, now all of a sudden with the right AI in place, you can start to see insights into how your business is functioning or how your organization actually operates. It also removes a whole lot of human error. That's the thing is that people make mistakes and these artificial intelligence processes, when designed well, when designed properly, when implemented in the correct ways, they don't make mistakes. They are very predictable. They're very repeatable and that, you know, they don't get tired. They don't get sleepy and that that really trims down a lot of those oopsies. But AI does have some challenges. And the biggest one is there is a very big lack of trust right now in AI. We've talked about this lack of trust in a lot of ways in a lot of different cases that it comes both because people are uncertain about it, they're hesitant about it, but also the people who are implementing artificial intelligence may not be doing it in the best ways. And so, if you are thinking about using artificial intelligence, be transparent with the people who are going to be interfacing with it because that will increase the trust. If they can see what's happening and they can see why it's happening, understand the process, that's how you have this be a much more healthy introduction. The most glaring example of that is facial recognition software. I mean, that is AI defined, but when you're, you're a bunch of white guys because that's who the majority of the people that are writing these code, they're white guys, and you're training it on yourself. You're not using a very diverse population, a diverse set of faces to learn from. Well, it doesn't have a good track record. And so it that has built a very big lack of trust. And you see that in so many different places, because not only can the AI have flaws built into it, but whenever you have offices using this artificial intelligence and using this facial recognition and the, the people who they were using it on don't trust it this really creates a breakdown and we see this in so many different places outside of facial recognition in just many different cases it takes a lot to do this properly and to have everyone feel comfortable that it's being done properly because it also takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of equipment. You've got a lot of training that people have to go through to be able to utilize AI properly. This is not just plug and play kinds of things. And the hardware that it takes to run the AI is not something you're gonna run down to the big box store and find. This, this is the future. This is the next generation. This is the more complicated, more powerful, The the bigger, stronger algorithms, it takes a lot to do this well. Part of the reason that there's the lack of trust is that it's been done poorly and that a lot of people aren't willing to put in the time and effort and commitment to do it properly. AI is not going away. AI is absolutely part of our future, but AI is something that we're all going to have to 
learn how to work with and get along with. Absolutely. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net, or send us a text, 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.